0: Thank you so much for coming. Um, as you all know, I'm Cabola Frege, the current chief editor, and I welcome you to the grand finale of this uh, anniversary event. Um, the, uh, the topic we want to discuss in this um, panel is uh, the open or unresolved problems in German research. And this is not a very original idea, of course. Um, as the economists among you probably know. It goes back to um, a German mathematician, actually, uh, David Hilbert, who in 1900 created a list of the 23 unsolved problems in maths. Um, And with that list sort of shaped the discipline of mathematics in the 20th century. Not that we are trying to do the same here, um, (laughs) but the idea is really to create um, a discussion and a reflective discussion of um, what problems we actually solved in our discipline in the last 50 years, uh, which ones we didn't, and what we should do to solve them. As simple as that. Now, in this regard, (laughs) um, we have invited the the former chief editors um, to to start the discussion. Um, As you know, from um, Ben Roberts onwards, David Matkalf took over the BGIR. And he did it from 89 to 95. And he had a chair in labor economics at the LSE and the then industrial relations department. And he was then succeeded by John Kelly, who was also then a member of the IR department. And he did it from 96 to 98. And then came Steve Wood, also then a member of the IR department, who did it from 99 to 2003, and then it moved externally to Adhering. Um, who did it in two thousand and seven and I brought it back to LSD in two thousand and eight. So with that, I would like to start with David and then sort of go chronologically okay, to give you the picture the Thank you so okay, much. Okay, thanks. I
1: mean I know we should be brief because I think everybody wants to get to the trees. I just want to preface my remarks by saying I mean I did know Ben Roberts very well, who is the founding editor of the 1st uh, British Town Industrial Relations and I just like to sort of mention that Uh, First of all, of course, he was very knowledgeable uh, and very sort of aggressive in the industrial relations department. I mean, he was absolutely right in his concerns about uh, trying to get a a mix of pro-union labor laws and lax monetary policy, because that was uh, (laughs) the sort of the disasters in the 70s. He was also right, uh, not being part of the Donovan gang, about the use of law in industrial relations. Um, And two, absolutely major issues. He was very important in LSE governance, especially in the troubled times. This was just around the very first time I came, in uh, 68-69. <coughs> and I, from all accounts, know very much a safe part of hands. He also, of course, was a very good talent spotter. Um, uh, when I was first uh, around LSE, the Industrial Relations Department basically consisted of him. And then uh, Johnny Gennard, who sadly just uh, died earlier this year. Um, Roy Lewis, distinguished labour lawyer; uh, Sheila Rothwell, who went on to Henley as a professor; Ray Loveridge, d- Professor Aston, and Dave Winchester as a professor at Warwick. So I mean, th- all of these people have excellent careers afterwards. So I think, you know, in a sense, I just have to pay tribute to them. Now, in terms of, I'm, I'm coming up what, what we've done, what we haven't done, as an economist. So, I want to talk about equity and efficiency, okay, as economists do. On equity, I think that there's still a tendency to focus on old Marxist battles, the functional distribution of income, okay? It seems to me people should be focusing much, much more on individual, on individuals, okay? The Marxist battle has been won, the labor share and national income has gone up and up and up, it's a kind of a bit recently, but it's gone up, so I, mean, I, just don't, I don't see what, what, the, what the issue is. Let me, give, let me give some examples of what I mean about focusing on the size distribution. Uh, if you take top pay, the top 200 people in Barclays Capital earn <coughs> more than the top, the top 200 CEOs in Britain. Okay? That's uh, so absolutely a staggering, staggering notion. And yet, how many, in, how many studies have we ever had of what these people do? Why, have, why has no in industrial relations gone to track what these financial traders do? like I did, getting up early in the morning for loads of times to go to Smithfield Wheat Market, for example. But, but, but I mean, how is it they can earn so much money? What jobs do they do? You know, we, we ought to be very well placed to go and do that, and nobody actually, nobody actually does it. If we're concerned with the welfare of workers, I, I must say I think the continual study of trade unions is, is just crazy. I've got a lovely, there's a lovely thing from a pretty, uh, review in the BGAR, uh, uh, I think last time. A common theme across all chapters was the disheartening inverse relationship between the increased organizing and the continued density decline. We don't need any more studies telling us this, OK? If we're concerned about the welfare of workers, we, we should be thinking much more about wage protection, for example, OK, the national minimum wage, the living wage, fair wage, we should be thinking about job protection. Okay, how, how do those laws work? What about safety, using much more about, uh, uh, methods about the value of life? Uh, the stuff that Howard and uh, my colleagues like uh, Maria have been doing on occupational licensing is all important. And of course, pension permission is all important. We don't need more studies looking at, looking at union density. There's much more, much more focus on that. On efficiency, uh, it, the, for me the major issue remains work incentives. Um, what is the nature of the contract in, inside the firm, okay, the worker on the firm. and I mean, essentially, the issue is controlling moral hazard. Okay, so it's monitoring and incentives and ownership, and those sorts of things. Now, I don't know much about organization and behavior, OB, whatever you want to call it. Okay, um, so I may be, I may not be getting this exactly right, but it seems to me these people who study organizations have got no notion of contracts inside the firm i mean if you read the milgram and Roberts book that's exactly what the what the core of that book is the economics and management but the only stuff now they give you some you know invested and giving and receiving i mean it, it, it's nothing it's got nothing <laughs> nothing sort of central to to the nature of nature of the contract mm-hmm. um so I, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not wholly sure we do do it. Probably, I have to say. <coughs> the other thing, especially after this country, in this company, perhaps I shouldn't be saying this, but I will, because I've got you've got to keep away, um, Is uh, in geography they add the word spatial to everything to claim it. For geography, (laughs) and I think there's a sort of a tendency in industrial relations or labour relations that began to work global (laughs) to to things to uh, sort of claim it. I must say I think that that this is a terrifically important issue. Um, I mean, indeed, in some senses it's dominating uh, dominating the world. But if we're thinking of of true globalisation, what what is it? What is it? Mobility of, as it were, it's mobility of capital. So let's go back to our banks. Are, is, are there threats to relocate, for example, serious or not? I thought we could we could probably say something about that. It, it's mobility of goods and services. So I mean, there's there's a lot of going on with offshoring, for example. There's also huge. If you take the uh, uh, ICT sector, information communications, uh, and what are the others? Two years <laughs> Okay, <laughs> <laughs> technology. Um, the, um, there's very large numbers of Indian workers coming in to work on contracts. They work for they work for Tata Consulting but they work at British Airways or British telecom or somewhere. And that's changing the that's, I mean, everything like projects now That's changing the nature of uh, the labour relations system, the employment the, the, the nature of employment, possibly unfair competition for British workers and so on. It's changing absolutely profoundly. Um, and so that's, so that's the, we've got a couple of movement of goods. You've also got a uh, movement of people, uh, i.e. immigration. I mean, the question of what that does to the, produ- the, the, the nature of production, um, what we actually produce, what it does to production technology, and of course what it does to workers, uh, and what it does to the welfare of British residents. And by far the most important thing, on immigration, but it never it it seems to get measured properly. It's very difficult to measure, it never gets discussed properly. Is what would happen to uh, Japanese inward investment, for example, if you make it more difficult? Or what would happen to uh, the, the law firms in the, in the city if you make immigration more difficult? And, and I, I'm sort of amazed that we in industrial relations, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking sort of from the economic side of it, don't seem to uh, have much to say on that. Even though immigration is the second most important issue in all polls after after uh, the economy, the economy is the, the first one. Immigration is the second one. So I think that um, the whole question of globalization in terms of mobility of capital, goods and services and people is very important. And, and in a sense, even though lots of the papers touch on this, I think that maybe, maybe not quite as centrally as one might wish. Thank you.
2: Yeah, well, David and I would disagree as uh, we always used to. Uh, mm-hmm. um, actually, first of all, the Labour share of national income has been declining for 30 years. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually every advance is kind of... Absolutely. <laughs> well, then the, <laughs> the EU <laughs> statisticians are <laughs> always good it all wrong. One way are coming to this question of unsolved problems is to ask how do we constitute problems in the first place? I mean, how do we determine what is a, a research problem? And it seems to me there's at least three ways of doing that. Now, one is to start with theoretical or empirical puzzles oh. or anomalies. So this uh, last today had a number of references to the varieties of capitalism and the varieties of capitalism literature, and the debates and different ways of classifying uh, different national systems. But actually, if you look at some of the trends over the last 30 years, uh, not just the Labour income share, um, uh 9 to 10 ratios in income inequality, uh, precarious work, union decline, and a range of other indicators, the really interesting feature of these trends is that they're actually pretty much universal across all different varieties of capitalism. These phenomena are moving in pretty much the same direction. And so that does raise an interesting theoretical question about the status of varieties of capitalism as a broad theoretical approach for doing comparative work and looking at national systems within the global economy. And uh, a number of people have raised criticisms about the approach in the last few days, but I, I would strongly urge to read. Um, in the this issue of politics and society the Caro and Howell piece, which is just which is kind of reviving the notion of convergence across uh, the advanced, advanced capitalist world. I mean noting the continued variety of institutions but arguing that institutions are being made to serve rather different purposes. So that, that, that's, that's the first way in which we constitute problems, I think is by, by identifying anomalies or puzzles, things that don't quite make sense given our existing frameworks. Um, the second way we do it is, is by identifying new phenomena, and I think we've seen a lot of papers today which have looked at issues like um, international framework agreements, labour standards, the role of CSR codes and so on, often in the context of global value chains. Um, I would guess that probably over the next few years we may find a lot more work looking at the, the institutions of the European Union, whether it's the EU27, 28, 26, the uh, Eurozone countries, the European Central Bank and so on. Uh, again, uh, good examples, I think, of new, of new phenomena. And it seems to me that the, uh, the field of IR has not actually very good, as evidenced in this conference, at picking up these kinds, of, uh, these kinds of new issues. The third way in which we constitute problems for research is on the basis of political ideological values. Um, and here, I think, again, I disagree with David, as you will not surprised to hear, uh, and neither would he. Um, the, the decline of the, union, of the labor movement, and, and I don't just mean the unions, but the various other forms of worker representation and the leftist political parties is a huge problem, for a variety of reasons. It's a problem because uh, it opens up uh, wage inequality, it exposes workers to vulnerability, to threats, to precarious conditions. It has implications for the political system. One thing that unions are doing, well, very good at doing, which is not so well known, is actually mobilizing people to vote in elections as a part in the political process. Um, so I think for those of us who are concerned about this, the broad social and political role, as well as the economic role, of labor movements, I mean, there's, there is a whole set of issues there to be looked at. Um, David is tired of articles about uh, union density decline. Once as I, I, I kind of agree, I mean, we sort of know the story about why density is declining in different countries, and that's fairly well. Established. But I think the more interesting question of what, if anything, can either unions or other forms of worker representation do about that, uh, we've heard some interesting papers about coalition building, for example. There's also a broader issue about political representation, um, given the right of drift of social democratic parties over the last 20, 30 years in Europe. I mean, there are big problems in the relations between unions and political parties. And big problems, as we've seen in the last few years, with the the dominance of neoliberal austerity programs for workers and the victims of these programs to find an effective political voice. Um, And it's interesting to look at the elections in a number of countries in recent years, where really the voters have not been presented with many clear alternatives uh, to the austerity programs, at least by the mainstream parties. And where there are alternatives, um, actually, parties of the far right have been the prime beneficiaries, which are rising everywhere. Parties of the far left uh, are not doing so well. Um, the politics of the far-rights, and David, David mentioned immigration as the second most important issue and if you look at polls of um, voters. That's true, not just here, but in many other countries. And this is partly what fuels the rise of the, the far right in Austria, Belgium, Netherlands, uh, Finland, Sweden, Switzerland, most obviously. There a wide range of countries. Um as I mentioned earlier today the, uh, the slightly less unpleasant face of the Front National in France, Marine Le Pen, that's making quite a, a big splash. And, we know from previous economic recession, the far right, uh, on the whole, does tend to benefit from these these sorts of uh, economic and political positions, <laughs> and this is a problem not just for the obvious reasons, um, ethical and other issues of that kind, but, but also because of the threats that it poses to labour movements and to the wider political system. I also think um, going back to something David said about the, the people at the top, the traders and the rest, um, we did one or two papers about private equity funds and, and so on. We do, I think, actually rather more research on like, what I would call the enemies of the labor movement: the, the OECD uh, proponents of flexibility, the IMF, the World Bank, etc., etc., but Leslie Skerr in an excellent book 10 years ago called The Transnational Capitalist House. I mean, this th- this force, and it's made it for fractions, is clearly uh, enormously influential, enormously powerful, and poses a huge threat to a, a wide range of economic and social conditions, and to... Uh, and actually it's a political right, if you look at the emergence of technocratic governments um, across Europe. So I think uh, th- there is a broad range of issues that I think we can constitute as problems. Of course, not everyone we will we'll agree on what are the interesting problems to solve. Um, David and I probably won't agree, I think, but uh, we may agree on some. Um, but, but those I think, some of the ways in which we construct our notion of what it is constitutes a problem. Of course. What's a problem in one setting isn't necessarily a problem elsewhere. I was struck by Eileen Applebaum's phrase, um, I think, yesterday when she, she referred to people losing their jobs in the States and she kind of struck and said, well, that's not really a problem. You know, people just lose their jobs. That's the market. Nobody thinks there's anything, any interesting issue or question there to research or investigate. So I think that reinforces really the point that what is a research problem it has, to be, it has to be constructed you know, on the basis of values, theory, or some other criteria. They don't just emerge. Ready-made from uh, the external world, we construct and decide what is worth investigating. So, thank you very much. My, my, my,
3: my talk follows really nicely from both because I agree with everything they said. Don't think get And in fact, if you sit i and say, "It's the implications, and the implications of David's talk," actually. And um, I was the one who introduced the strapline "International Journal of Employment Relations" in the 2000s. And another way of looking at what I'm going to say is, what is the implications of that strapline? I've got. I think the problems I'm addressing are at a little higher level than perhaps you wanted, Groll. But I'm addressing the problem of the nature of the uh, subject of industrial relations, and then I look at the topics. You know, the topics that you're interested in, and then I look at the status of uh, a problem. I think that's has with us is we, we, is a we, is state of descriptive historical work. And the, 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 the bottom line of my talk, and I hope it's going to be the bottom line of all of our talks, is that we have let ourselves into a position of low confidence, and we should get on the offensive. And that's my first message. We should become offensive and use, it doesn't matter what you call it, employment relations is not what you call it, but I think employment relations are offensive. And we should start to use this as a node and a magnet for getting all studies of work into our box, as it were, or whatever you want to call it. That's the first message I've got. The second message is that the last 10 years we've been incredibly successful. And I'm going to use the millennium statement uh, that I made as a benchmark to see how we progress. I agree with some of uh, David's sort of veiled uh, criticism, you know, that we have been a bit obsessed by trade unions and globalisation and and so on. And then the third thing is we shouldn't be defensive about descriptive work. We shouldn't be defensive. This subject has a better record of historical—I call it contemporary history—and of course, with longitudinal data, we'll have proper history. And we should be proud of it. I once told the director of the London School of Economics, says, he said, your subject's dead. Hey. He actually said it to me. I said, OK, but can you how many shop stewards there are. Of. And this was one of the homeless people outside the LSE. And you've got the social policy department that is the fabings, the, the, the child of the failings. And you couldn't tell me how many, how many homeless people there are in England. I can tell you how many shop stewards there are. I didn't point that to him of course, I <laughs> gonna, uh, <laughs> But as you say, I got rather angry about it. And I left the London School of Economics. It was one of these silent moments in my life, you know, David was. I was there with David he used to walk home and I remember David been quite rude to one of these other people, but that's a
4: separate question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, that's my agenda. I'm gonna
3: talk about, first of all, I'll talk about the subject, the journal, and then I'll talk a little bit, these are cues for me to talk about Leicester, oh, not Leicester City,
5: the <laughs> University <laughs> of Leicester, we'll talk about
3: Leicester City right? later. <laughs> uh, well, it's a really pressing topic. But, but um, uh, uh, talk about Leicester University, what we're doing there. And then I'll talk a little bit about the channel and then I want to talk about words because I'm the i the ESLC rep on words and I am quite interested in know what's going on there. So the, the subject is pretty simple. I my, my passion is work. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm studying. I'm not studying representation, I'm studying work, and there, there is a criticism of the papers. And I think some of the questions have asked. And others have got a bit far from that. And of course going back to Leicester, I realised why what was the origins of my interesting work? Well, at the age of four and a half, I had a post office bank account. I'm not going know this. I have never told you this but, uh, yeah, but I had a post office bank account because I was a choir boy. I was a child labourer for 10, 15 years. And my voice broke. What did I do? I, went to come in. I, I, I became a butcher's delivery boy at the age of 13. And then I worked at the ground Work has been a really central part of my life. you know. And the other defining moment of my life was I read this autobiography of Ford. Um, which was the, tu- the time when the journal, exactly the same year the journal first did. And the only reason I read this was the first adult book I ever read, uh, you know, proper adult book. You know. It was really, I was a bit dyslexic. And the reason was because it was, the, it was the first book you could get to without the librarian seeing it, because we basically wanted to fall around and look at it. She was very delicious. This one. <laughs> she was read well, this is my head, she was like, can blow and that's the origins of my career, really, based on being a, being a choir boy and reading this book on Ford. <laughs> and, these things, and you want to go back and think about why you're interested in your subject, I think. And, and, uh, and, and it's been very revealing. <clears throat> so I think we should be imperialist. And I think that if you go back to the history of our subject, with the mistakes have been made, all along, along the line of fragmentation, the classic one. Tom Copeland wrote this really nice paper in McKin- with um, McCursey. About the bedrock of, tab- of collective as Taylorism. So if you say, well,
1: okay, that well
3: the two study studied as a set. But they weren't, they were separated. And if you think about it in terms of the relationship, unionism and satisfaction, we get we don't have a constant, sometimes we get negative results, this is job satisfaction. Well because you have control for Taylorism. I mean, what, what is the purpose of some of these studies? And then we have the we have the white right not debate, another one of fragmentation. The worst thing that happened in Britain was the unitary terrorist distinction. Taylorism was never unitarism, it was mutual gains, that's the whole point about Taylorism, Wanted to develop neutral gains in the same with human relations, And then most recently had this terrible debate for H.R.M. and so on. These are fragmenting the subjects. So I'm all forgetting that using this as a magnet, and, and the time is right to do it, it seems to going to be season and defines something new because OB as David quite rightly said, this I mean I don't, I don't, it's very. Difficult, it's <laughs> and they still don't talk about trade unions, massive organisations of trade unions, and this is what we're actually going to do. A lesson we've taken over the shell of the Centre for Labour Market Studies, and we're going to try and use this as a vehicle. And there must be plenty of shells of that, like Centre for Labour Market Studies, where you can uh, sort of bring this back, and, and there will be a chair. So somebody's We need a director of the Centre for Labour Market Studies. That's my, my contribution to, to uh, labour market studies is to advertise a job. The, the, se- uh, <coughs> the second area is the I to talk about the topics, and I went back to the Millennium Statement I made, and um, and i as a benchmark of how we've gone in the last 10 years. We said we wanted to broaden the scope of substantive issues, uh, gender and ethnic diversity, family work interface, paid unpaid work, ageing society. Individual conflict, David mentioned it, business ethics and practices, and I think they're all relatively. They're still very, very important. We have insight, and we haven't done enough on, particularly on the family work I'd like bit one on that. I would add to that the migration one that both of you mentioned, and youth. No one's mentioned youth, <laughs> certainly in, uh, in in England. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't look well that saying, We really do need, uh, and I know I know Melanie. Uh, what's the name Sims? Is working on the youth and and, uh, and uh, trade conflict. And another area is workplace aggression, of course, which has been mentioned by Catherine and other people. And we can go on. The second point I made was that, or we made, was that we need to extend the disciplines. and I mentioned psychology, anthropology, political science. And I think that's happened to some extent. There was one mistake I made there, by We're entitled to one mistake, are we I mentioned we should also consider person-modernism, but that was a mistake. And uh, fortunately, <laughs> no <laughs> one has said any modernist paper. Well, if that's not rejected, we should never see the paper's <laughs> <landscape laughs> But anyway, let's leave that aside. We, we won't go into that. Then we talked about the process of internationalisation. It's so a third area that was very important. And of course, the whole of this conference, particularly yesterday, has been testimony to to the fact that that truly is. When I took over the journal, it was that the British Empire journal of Industrials. and then we got into the Europe, and and, and now it truly is an international journal. And and and, uh, and people are queuing up to publish it, as you know. And, uh, and so, on. so I. Think that's the second bottom line. You know, we, we should proud of what we achieve. And the journals, I mean, it's, it's debatable whether there would be a subject out of the journals, because the departments have been ruined. I mean, uh, you know, they don't exist, do today. So where would we be without the journals? You know, There's, there's the IRJ uh, the, and the uh, uh, European Journal, the ILR. Well, some people might debate whether the ILR has been a force for good, but, uh, but uh, it's certainly a cure for insomnia for some people. But, uh, <laughs> So that's, 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 the last point I just want to finish with then, is this notion of description and mapping and so on. And, uh, you know, I, it's not a question, it's the, the debates about theory versus description. These are, these are the birds. Uh, and the point is, you can't, as Mopper said, he's very good, he's not picture, room. You know, uh, you can't observe that theory. And so it's, it's always been a bit of a false thing. And there is some truth to abstract criticism and so on. But we should of what we've achieved from if you look at the Evolution of Industrial Relations book that uh, I was privileged to be part of, Francis was part of, and I think, uh, I think somebody else in the room, but you know, that's a really good book, you know, and it's really uh, it's very insightful, 25 years and so centre, There aren't many states,
4: it's, it's a book,
3: And that has, as it were, and, and that's why we should, and this is, this is another challenge, we have to, we don't just have to take for granted these data sets, we have to make sure they carry on existing. And in your own countries, you Get some better data, you know. Let's 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 really let's we should go on the offensive. We've been outgunned by people wanting to study other areas and get a lot of money to s- collect data, which may not be as useful as, uh, as the study of work. Because the work, work, as we've seen today, connects with all the issues, the big issues, the climate change issue. I thought one of the papers that connected that very good. The health issue, you made it just for every issue, I you know, think Take the issues to the big issues of society like migration and so on. And, and even if we're doing micro-studies, we should take these to the big issues <clears throat> And I'll just finish by saying that the words data, it's very important you use it, very important, because if there won't be another word, unless it's used very strongly. And it <clears throat> it's not clear there will be another word, then it's very important because of what I've said, that we, 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 we campaign to keep and uh, have another one, it's not clear when it will be. And this is designed to have quite a long shelf life. And the data will be available to, to, to 2013, early 2013. And uh, <coughs> the book, there will be a source book, which won't be a source book anymore, it will be much more theme-based. And one of the consequences of this is it will be more exciting, but secondly, because we can put those, all the tables will be on the websites and available and so on. But third, it needs you more room, because we're not trying to... Do the definitive book, and it, in some sense it was about the state because you can never do the definitive book. So well, there'll be a plenty of scope for you to work on worse, and um, and of course the longitudinal data is getting getting better and better by definition because it's over time. But the panel has been improved, and we're particularly working on the uh, question of recession and and industrial relations. But there's so much work. There's a lot of new questions on pay systems in the employee server. This echoes a point that. Uh, David made about the importance of contracting systems. And also this question of sexual orientations, new questions like that. But the important thing I want to stress to you is that the work of representative questionnaire has been completely changed and, and it's never been used enough, and for God's sake, used them. <laughs> And uh, so I'll just end by with another last point that no one else has mentioned is it's not a question of the workplace versus value chains analysis and so on. You know the use analysis is going to vary depending on the question, and I thought that the, um, the the introduction of the value chain thing is important. But it was, it's got to the stage of looking like a panacea, and it's just one way of getting the macro, the meso, and the um, and the micro level connected. And it's not a panacea, obviously. But we and I should say that was one of the failings. We we tried to get a question on supply chains and a few questions, but we just for the devil couldn't do it in, in the. End. We, we, that was the one area I lost, as you'd say. And on that no. note, as was a less support us, Since we, we usually lose. Our, uh, now, thanks very much.
6: Right, I, I'm, I'm not going to outline a, a research programme here. Research programme, rather just. A, a small number of, of, of quick reflections on the changing nature of the field, partly prompted by attending the conference, which I, I found, you know, very educational. Uh, enjoyed it hugely, and I think it it shows the field in, in good light. First point, though, is is it, I, I, and this relates to something that John was saying about the, uh, the the identification of research problems. Is is the field is not marked by consensus. It is. There is contention within the field of industrial relations, as Absolutely. there must be within any academic field. Uh, if we use the old Fox terms—unitary, pluralist, radical uh, traditions—you know that they will inevitably identify uh, different and competing research problems. I think inevitably the, the, the huge practical um, question that the, the, the field will deal with in, in, in forthcoming years is the, the global financial crisis and responses to it. So the, the unitary wing, I suppose, will be concerned with questions on how employee engagement or commitment is maintained in the, the context of austerity. The pluralist uh, centre will be concerned with uh, uh, how the, the interests of employers and workers are balanced through effective systems of representation or regulation. Uh, the radical or critical wing will be concerned with the emergence of a Polanyin uh, counter-movement, here, to use the, the, the term that, that Lowe used this morning. Second point I, uh, I would make is that I think that the, um, the centre, the pluralist centre has become more critical within the field. Uh, when I entered it, it was concerned with the problem of order, if you like, of disorderly workers. It went on an official strike, restrictive practices, uh, achieved low productivity and so on. I, I recently read uh, John's biography of Alan Flanders and this obsession with the uh, disorder in the British workplace. Uh, Comes through very strongly. Um, I think now we're much more concerned, those of us within the centre of the the field, we're much more concerned with disorderly markets, uh, disorderly managers, and the problems for labour uh, um, within a a context of neoliberal hegemony, is the term I would use. So we're concerned with questions of inequality uh, of income, um, declining job quality,
4: precarity, and so on.
6: Third point is is I I wrote something with Corolla a few years ago in the uh, in the journal about uh, new actors um, the need to study new actors in in industrial relations and there's been loads of them uh, featured in this this conference on the uh, employer side, international financial institutions um, uh, private equity firms Uh, people were talking yesterday about the CSR industry uh, and so on on the employee side and um, global union federations european works councils but also ngos and other civil society <coughs> organizations and i think this is a very heartening development to see the spreading of the uh, the field to engage with these these new or previously neglected actors so something quickly about them many of them operate on a global scale uh, I think many of them, particularly on the worker side, what distinguishes them is, is they tend to use soft forms of power, you know, rhetoric, symbols, uh, legitimacy, expertise in order to try and uh, achieve their, their representative goals on behalf of workers. Many of them as well are not solely employment focused. <coughs> so we're studying increasingly institutions which aren't confined to a, a traditionally conceived industrial relations institution and because of that we are borrowing theory and concepts from fields uh, beyond Ireland. Third point that uh, struck me at the conference is as uh, the, the interest in new processes, uh, uh, job regulation or however you want to uh, uh, term it. Um, and two things I, I think have struck me over the past couple of days. One is the the movement uh, within the field to studying weaker um, forms of joint regulations. I don't think we've had any on collective bargaining, but we've had lots of stuff on uh, social dialogue, um, various forms of consultation. And uh, I think that's an interesting development. The other is the growth of private regulation. You know, codes of practice being developed by civil society actors by giant firms and trying to regulate their behaviour along the supply chains. And I I think this is one of the things that struck me about the the, the conference. Uh, uh, One of the issues that emerges from this I think is the 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 relationship between different processes. (coughs) I I think one of the most interesting papers was the one is at the back there, Richard Locke, uh, sorry I forgot the name, but Richard Locke was on there, uh, where talked about the, the relationship between these different uh, uh, forms of regulation and, and I think looking at that, if you like, hybrid forms of representation of workers or hybrid forms of regulation of labour markets is going to be a, a you know, critical or very fruitful line of analysis in the future.
7: Comments and
3: questions and criticisms and um, interaction. In the with the audience, yes. <laughs> so, with them debating and discussing. Uh, so, are
0: yeah. so short and, and, and provocative.
3: Any
2: predictions? With all the current disruption, uh, the Eurozone, the global crisis, global shifts, any predictions for the issues that are going
4: to be?
0: You mean for the field?
4: Yeah, for the field and yeah, right. for the issues okay. that could so come down. For the, the next 50 years, that, well, 50 years. Well, not 50, just the next 10 years.
2: More, more inequality, growth mm-hmm. of the far right, more general strikes. <laughs> With <laughs> the,
0: last one, it's the optimistic notion. For the upcoming decades, not necessarily.
5: I, I don't think our job is to predict the future, but that's just <laughs> and I don't think we can.
0: Francis.
4: Yeah. Still speaking to them thinking your problem is unsolved. Um. I'd like to make one short, uh, no to something specific that David said, which was about looking at these these top uh, earners, because it strikes me is that the biggest single thing that's changed in the labour market over the last fifteen years is not the ninety ten, it's the nine, it's the ninety nine ninety. Right. Yeah. and now some economists have been about it and they as far as i understand change it and explain it in terms of changing customs and norms and attitudes which surely ought to be the field of industrial cooperation yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, 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 I think that's that's a really mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. point but my, my my addition to the list of unsolved problems is how to write good interdisciplinary material and i think that it's quite interesting that it's a long, long standing objective. I mean ESRC work likes to have a multidisciplinary stuff and And yet when you look across, you see really the decline of multidisciplinarity, I think, in higher education. I mean I spent eleven years at Kent, but when Dave was there work before that, like, started off in multidisciplinary ideals, but they're all specialized now. And there's, there's lots of forces at the top in to prevent, prevent presenting that. And also though I think there's this problem of being interdisciplinary when we write. And I'm only saying this because BJIR is sells itself as right? you know, it's, it's a sort of multidisciplinary journal par excellence. And and, and I I, I, I guess so many papers where you can get one from one discipline, one from the other discipline, and they, they don't understand what they're talking about and not enough effort. So I do think that's an unsolved problem as to how to do good multidisciplinary.
0: Uh
3: mm. I the full answer, oh, sorry, answer yeah, it's a quick answer and then quick answer. No. I think you've got a distinction into discipline also. I always think this is a good area we're subject where well, we, yeah. really, we don't really we're not that worried about disciplines, thing we? So we we come from a, we use methods from psychology, we we do some different methodologies and, and uh, the subject. But, uh, but behind my point would be that, um, I didn't make this point, but I didn't mind occupational psychology when I was making the point, we become a magnet. that but this subject's dying completely occupational. So it's not dying amongst consultants, but they've been wiped out by universities because psychology departments don't want to, and so on and so on. So that's what I had in mind, that we, we we become, but most people are relatively, back to the training of PhD students, it really still lies in of the question and also and sorry and also it may be you're also right that the so-called disciplines are, are very, still very important in academic uh, management and concepts but a, i'm very, pretty optimistic most most PhDs are well-trained in lots of different methods so methodologies are very important to these disciplines How
0: would
3: i'm very optimistic so yeah well just as i said if you look at the
2: academic career structure and incentive systems and the incentives for Geographers are in geography journals, for political scientists and policy journals, and so on and so on. So, and, and for somebody to go out of their, their core discipline into an IR, another field like an IR, is oftentimes high risk and, and carries cost. But
4: the, other, the other area where sort of this it gets the specialised is further back in schools where the. There's such a resistance to expanding beyond ridiculously specialised a areas, so I think that carries through with the British culture.
0: Um,
8: you, how about um, I'd like to pick up on. Can you speak uh, up a bit? Yeah. i would like sure to pick, pick up on, uh, on David's point about uh, about trade unions and use it as a way to say something about uh, employers and management. Uh, I mean, I think. Uh, uh, two things, or several things, that kept the study of trade unions going. Uh, one was indeed trade union decline, and lots of people spent a lot of time looking on that and looking at that. And then, uh, of course, people started to look at the possibilities uh, of the revival, which I think I agree with David, would be the most fruitful field. But one thing that did also have an impact uh, and kept the study of trade unions going uh, was the book What Do Trade Unions Do? where people actually started to look at the, uh, the economic, and social, and other effects of trade unions. Uh, I always thought that, uh, apropos of that, uh, the next area to go on to was what do employers do, and to some extent we did uh, with uh, with the study of human resource management, but really I think, uh, and I'd be interested in, uh, in your reactions to this, uh, uh, has the field of industrial relations really lost out on the question, what do employers and what do managers do, in, uh, much of that has migrated to, to general management uh, journals and, uh, and other areas. If, if, if I may be allowed uh, a, a personal point in the poem, uh, which brings in Ben Norris, uh, I wrote uh, what I always considered to be, it was my first article. It was a classic, but much neglected, article. <laughs> <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> entitled, <laughs> uh, pretentiously entitled, uh, An Approach to a Theory of the Firm in Industrial Relations. And uh, Ben, and this is, the, this, is the, this is the Ben story on this, uh, I showed it to Ben, and, and, and Ben said, uh, Yes, just make a few changes and I'll accept it for the journal. Uh, and that was the way the journal worked in those days. You <laughs> got in, uh, not through any uh, lengthy uh, refereeing uh, process, but, but still, it it was entitled, as you said, pretentiously entitled, an approach to a theory of the firm and industrial relations. And I wonder whether the field has really uh, made much progress in looking at employers and management. Do you want to have-
2: I just thought if you did a content analysis of the BJIR over the last 20 years, you'd find a lot of articles about managers or employment and so on, particularly post, maybe post cogans Strategic Choice, the eighty-six book. Um, I, I don't know, that, 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 that'd be my, my hunch. Um, maybe, maybe fewer in IRJ, but certainly BJ, I quite quite a few. I mean, you're right that a lot of these articles migrate into HR journals. For all sorts of reasons, but, but uh, despite Steve's and Peter's ambitions, I mean, there is a limit to how how wide a range of topics we can corral inside the boundaries of the IR. Mm-hmm.
3: It's really it sound unambitious. <laughs> okay, my my comment was really following up
9: on Francis's. I think that is a very important one to make regarding the professional and occupational structure. Can you here.
0: speak up a little bit from
9: the back? Voices. No, no, you uh, just to turn us. to them. That's uh, uh, well, I was really wanting to pick up on that point rather than uh, and encourage a little more discussion. It was about professional, uh, the, the occupational and professional institutions that we, especially in our kingdom, are under regarding the RAF and the um, um, enormous constraints that it's exerting upon the shaping of our occupation. That the institutions that we have. Um, we're squeezed into regarding this and I think that does pick up sal's point about why is this happening I think we're, we're not addressing that fully we're actually complying with it necessarily of course we have to but we're not really analyzing the effects of this you know this concerted managerial effort that is shaping the, the academic mm-hmm. intellectual inquiries that we in. the ambition that you're speaking of Stephen, is compromised by these institutional constraints careers that you know journals, the mm-hmm. trajectories that people we encourage our young
4: people into this, and I disagree
3: that our PhDs are widely educated, they're not, they're increasingly, they're smaller and narrower for than ever. Can I just take the point about, the, I won't take the second point, so makes an empirical question. I, I mean, I was obviously brought up in LSE and all that, but I mean, if, you've got to remember, m- the best universities are, 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 are sort of m- matrix organisations, or even more acute, whatever, they, you know, and the, you know, you, whilst you're right about the disciplines and all the points that have been made, you know, what, what research centres are about are creating an disciplinary work. And, you know, the Centre for Economic Performance may not be true now, but certainly was once or multidisciplinary. And, and uh, the institute that I was in, work psychology, was of, uh, where John, John started. You know, that, was, that was a vibrant place. And we didn't have any problems with the ref, because we were publishing American journal articles. American you know, it, we, it was one of the few places that did that. In, in britain and, you know, so they don't have no problems with the ref because they've all got four star after so you know and, and uh, when you talk about these they very complicated but, we, but don't forget the universities are highly major well the obvious matrix organizes oxford you've got colleges and that so i mean so they're very complicated things you know and i think there's plenty of space to create centers of employment relations i do problem well i think mean, it's fun but you know, <laughs> where there's a will there's a way you know no one. <coughs>
5: well first i want to thank you for putting me in a radical way uh, because uh, but some of my old radical friends have long accused me of selling out, and so I'm going <laughs> to quote you on that. I, I appreciate that. But I do want, but my old friends are right in the sense that I don't think there's anything radical about wanting to, to insist on looking at a historical perspective, on a broad comparative perspective, on understanding. This moment in history, you know, we've had 30 golden years and we've had 30 neoliberal years, and now we're just in this deep crisis, and that has a great impact on everything that has to do with work, industrial relations, and, and, and I don't think. And I think we have to understand things. You know, the the uh, the, 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 the Stevens comment about the I.L.R. review is it, a point well taken. I mean, that journal almost died because the articles got so narrow and so ahistorical and so economistic. Um and the BJIR, to its credit, I think has been a much better journal. It's been a rich interdisciplinary journal the last ten years. I think I think Stephen is also right about work being at the center of everything. But understanding it, you know, it's it's just if we just look at narrow questions, we're going to get narrow answers, and we're going to, have to lead narrow lives, and we're not going to have a narrow meaning, you know. Um, but we need to look at work in, in 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 the broader in this broader social, political, and economic context, especially at this time in history. We should be doing engaged research, figuring, helping the world figure out, you know, where where we're we going to go from here because we're in deep crisis. The last thing I want to say is just. Uh, by way of, of, of rescuing the ILR review, we now hand it over to Rose Butt, whose job is to revitalize it and make it broad and so on and so forth. So, so uh, your, your criticism is welcome. Pamela,
0: thank you. Well, I'm, I was going to say, I'm a new researcher in the field of employment relations and labor standards. And what I'm looking for all of you to say is where do I get the money to do all of this research, so all of these problems? that we've highlighted, particularly if we want to look at work in a global or institutional the broader view than just the European Union. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really the question. I was in China earlier this year, in the Philadelphia region, I've got lots of opportunity to do research there, but I need to know where the money is in China. <laughs> well, in the banks, the banks are sort top of <laughs> well, like the
2: like
7: to to money the the capital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rich are <laughs> We find right. money? Yeah, I'd like to come back to the point about um, sort of uh, the descriptive historical nature of the field and its relation to theory and I think all of you kind of went quickly past theory and I, I would say don't, don't we need a lot more and sort of better theory also as a way to sort of engage with, with, with other fields I, I think industrial relations is a great tradition. It has its strength in the kind of field work and actually looking how work is done, and, and that means we all know a lot, but I think we don't often communicate what we know. So an example that came up uh, in the conference, I think, is the CSR debate. There's a huge field of CSR research out there. Companies are all interested in this. They're not interested in industrial relations, but they're interested in social responsibility. And none of those people, either the companies, nor the the researchers know know anything about labor rights on the ground, and a lot of the the kind of empirical insights that that came up yesterday in the conference, so people don't know what what an IFA, so don't don't we as a peer need to be sort of communicating more outwards and engaging somehow in the theory so that people doing those topics can't sort of just I, I ignore us, basically. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what well, what to do in terms of theory building, and um, who's our audience?
1: Well, I'm skeptical. I mean, to the extent that you're you're implying maybe industrial relations is is itself a discipline and therefore can have its own theory, I'm somewhat skeptical of that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think we come at it. I come as an economist, other people become a psychologist or you know, sort of historical dimension or whatever. And I mean I like working with other people, but I, I don't see I mean although it, you know if you go back to the Dunlop books and to some extent the Copen books, they 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 were very nice sort of trying to try and put things together. But I don't I don't think I would describe that as as sort of theories with you know the same mentioned Popper ty- type of approach so I, I mean I'm, I'm very much in favor of the, whether you call it inter or multidisciplinary type of approaches but I'm not sure that I'm not sure I would think I don't know, it could be pretty wrong well, but presently I don't think industrial relations ha- has got its own theory in, with which to develop the
7: subject it, it's, it's an issue of in, we import a lot of theories in yeah. and then have a self-referential discussion yeah. about them. And my question is how can we get take the insights yeah. that we get from yeah. that yes. important, yeah. and project them back out yeah. to change the debates in other mm-hmm. fields in a kind of way which just makes the world more yeah. lively
1: and- oh yeah but i know but that's we uh, we have that i think terrifically successfully in economics mm-hmm. because i mean in some senses the economist would always go on about inside the black box without sort of without talking you know without doing anything about it there's large amounts of work now in in economics i think largely prompted by what people were doing in industrial relations, which now looks looks, I mean, in, in sometimes using sometimes using nice case studies, but sometimes pretty sophisticated econometrics, trying to get in inverted commas inside the black box. And then part of that's the availability of worse data, or you know, McKinsey being prepared to come and spend a lot of time in say in the I C and Centre for Performance, you know, and provide providing huge amounts of data about ma- about uh, management practices and what the outcomes of that are, for example. So so I mean, in a, in a sense. In a sense, I think
2: that I can give an example from my, my area where that
1: has definitely gone on. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think there's a, it's like a complicated issue
2: about the boundaries of the field. I mean, if you go to the, um, the SASE conference, which you, you'll know very well, there are large numbers of people that are doing work on work, employment, <laughs> industrial relations, especially comparative work. Some of them would define themselves as industrial relations scholars, but many probably would not. They'd say they're political communists or comparativists or whatever. So I'm, I'm not entirely clear where, the, where, where, where there is a group of, as it were, hardcore IR people and, and the others. I think the boundaries between our field and adjacent areas got very fuzzy. Stats, so I think, is a very good example of that, where well, you've got some IR people and a whole bunch of others. Um, some of the sociology conferences, again, uh, a good example. Wes, Working From Society, published a lot of articles that <coughs> 10, 20, 30 years ago would have ended up in IR journals. So again, there's, there's a lot of people working around in the. The fringes and the boundaries of the field i think it have got a little loose and fuzzy side
0: so. mm-hmm.
7: yeah. uh, i'm concerned more with uh, how we communicate what we do to the outside world uh, uh, and, and and you know a little taking off from what Greg was saying so it seems as if we've uh, become like any other academic field uh, we publish our stuff in narrow little journals that everybody reads <coughs> Uh, except for <coughs> academics, um, but and, and it's okay maybe for <coughs> disciplines uh, to do that, but uh, we can't do that because we're an applied field too. I mean, we've forgotten where our roots are, and I think that you know it's really in, uh, important for us not only to do all the narrow things to get promotions and tenures and all of that stuff, but to also uh, publish in in forums like books and things where. You know where the, where the world gets to know what we do. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. nobody that I know that I've met on a plane or on a train has ever heard of the Industrial Rel- Labour Relations Review or the British Journal of Industrial Relations. But they understand really? yeah, what's in the book? You know, um, it's, terrible. So I, I think it's really important uh, because, they, I mean, especially in this country uh, where you have this uh, what you call it REF, etc., yeah. that doesn't give uh, much weightage to books. I mean, you know, this is
4: what. You have to
7: change
2: too. The incentives have to change so that we, speak, we, can, we, can, we can do research that is relevant and get it out in the public domain. Um, actually, I think, I think a lot of bio academics are quite heavily involved, at least over here, in mm-hmm. the public domain, public policy, yeah. and various ways. David's membership of the World is a very good example where you, know, you take work on labor markets, determinants of Wages impact of raising wages on employment, etc., etc., and carry that into the, the commission and advise the government accordingly. Yeah,
0: but that's the exception. You set the level too low, to, so, 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 it's so, uh, so that's the exception. We've got the history,
3: right? Again, we, we, okay, we shouldn't beat ourselves up and have a lot of I was in the health and safety committee. being on words. Is, no, we are we, not doing too bad, and and you may you may poo poo the, the the RAE, but you know these impact cases, you know they are in the direction you want, to, what you what you've said, mm-hmm. you know, and you know I think uh, I think the should be less, less uh, and 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 I think the point about. Again, I don't, want to, I don't want to say too much about the, the CP and so on, but if you look at Centrepiece, their journal, or their journal, which, I mean, that is a classic example, because you don't expect people to know about the British German industrial relations when they are on a plane. But I mean, <sighs> that, that, um, that uh, notwithstanding the fact that it's most widely read by sixth form economics teachers, but leaving no. that aside, it's a very successful, it's been a very successful dissemination device, or whatever you want to call it. You know, and, and the issue isn't. The issue is why isn't there more of that going on? It's part of your point, the money, and that's why we need to concentrate resources. We need we need to strategically think about where we're going to place these these so called centres, you know, and 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 not just have these quiet little cliques in the middle of London, you know. We have we have to go in the offensive, find the places, the European Union, the SRC, you and we have to slowly and build, come back. And, 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 and we've been outmanoeuvred by, by by lots of other people. You know, the, the health, the work and health agendas, been yeah. taken over by other people. We've been outmanoeuvred, and that's that's my central message. You know, wherever there's money, get in there and stop, And it's a long drip. It's, it, the effects of what I'm saying, if it has any impact on it, will be will be long past when I'm dead. You know, but it's a long game we're playing here. Yeah, but I, I want
0: to defend ours. You know, it's, it's sort of how many. IR people do you see on TV or, or so in the newspapers talking about recession and the impacts on work and the employment. I mean, you know, it's a crucial debate out there, but we are not really part of that. You know, I mean, who well, reads the well, well, I, I
1: mean,
0: a you know, little media. bit, but...
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I mean, I do a lot of radio TV work, but it's on strike. So, so how I'm framed as an IR expert is somebody knows about... Unions and strikes. Right. Unions are only interesting when they're on strike. Exactly. And exactly. so that's when I get called up. But all the other stuff, all the other issues we've discussed here today. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I
3: think it's I mean, a more I mean, general I mean, academic what's curious is that there's been no mention yet of the new social and uh, new media. And you've got you know
2: new campaigning groups using the media, and you know so much stuff. New public voice, and that was an emerging.
0: Twitter
2: and blogs, you know. Well, Twitter and yeah. blogs, but also that you, you know, like the New network network and all the rest of it. Right. And we, we don't, we, we take their stuff, you know, we get information from these campaign groups about what's going on, but we don't contribute to them. I just wonder whether there's a way of, you know, making a coalition tonight. I don't know. just thought about
3: it here. Yeah. Yeah. But this so is not peculiar it. to industrial agents. In a sense, academics are now maneuvered by journalists. If you watch Newsnight, which is a program we have in England, Increasingly, there's less academics in general. It's mm-hmm. not just industrial relations. I get the phone up about working out health quite regularly, you know, and you only have 24 hours in a day. I mean, why are we beating ourselves up about this thing? Why are we just. <laughs> all right, so if I'm looking at the time, I'm
0: kind of thinking we're all ready for a drink, aren't ready? Yeah. So I want to thank
9: the panelists very much for.